This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs for comedian and inactivist Dennis Miller is Guy Friday Christian Blatt and superstar producer Lindsay Floyd. On today's show, your voicemails at 866-509-RANT. And now, it's him, Dennis Miller. Hey folks, welcome to the next uh, Dennis Miller podcast. We like to take a break, get into a prayer circle. We did. Have a little lunch. I had the beef thick in between and uh do we have a guest this hour no or whatever we, this is we don't uh and i wanted to do uh something that i'd been planning to do for a while i wanted to do a whole show of just voicemails but i want to just go oh, through the Christian. list goose flesh goose right flesh. through the list <laughs> one through 20 if we get to them i'm not going to get to goose pick them we're just doing it shoot it bro i love the one we're sexy and if you want to leave a voicemail, go ahead and do it at 866-509-RANT. That's 866-509-7268. Voicemail number one from Adam from Halifax. Now, I don't want to proclaim I'm your biggest fan, Dennis. But my friends do call me Dennison's Kane. I'm not sure you'll ever get to Halifax. Or at least the very nearest reservation. Seems like uh, you're favored amongst the aboriginals. But please, if you get to Halifax, uh, we'd love to see you live. I miss the days of seeing you in that blazer. You know the one. <laughs> okay, so clearly you know, this wasn't a good idea. I almost made it to Halifax once. Really? Because um, I snuck onto Lindy's plane. And <laughs> we were just about to push out to the Atlantic. And sure. he said, Chris, my gas calculations are off. I wonder if it's this fly that Billy Wilder has placed in the uh, cockpit for me to talk to. <laughs> for two hours in a film where it takes place in a four-foot-by-four-foot thing. And he uh, uncovered, I, I think there were a couple of cheese sandwiches, and there I was in the bottom of the bag, and he asked me to drop out over Halifax. And uh, I said, I don't have a parachute. And he said, I don't care, motherfucker. I'm about to become immortal. Out. <laughs> and uh, so I jumped out, but I grabbed the wing like Roger Moore underneath. That uh, you know the little aperture that comes out uh, and holds the wheel. Sure. And when he landed in Bourget, I hate to be a pisser, but I actually touched on first. But my ego doesn't dictate that I become <laughs> uh, the biggest guy in the world and eventually a Nazi apologist. <laughs> I, I just went over to Mom Mar and watched somebody paint dogs playing poker. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you. I think. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Halifax. I'd love to get up to Halifax. Isn't that part? That part of the world seems so beautiful. I agree. But um, I was going to take a cruise once with Mark Stein, but then I got a gig, a paid gig, and so you know, I, I'd love to go on one of the Mark Stein cruise. I had to drop out again this year, but that was because Larry King got in and he asked me to sit in. But you know, I I hope Mark's not mad at me because I like Mark. But duty calls, right? You get a paid gig, and it's an unpaid gig. You gotta, you gotta take uh, what the defense offers, and you know I, I do my check downs. <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> what else is up? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, number two, Don from Flagstaff. I hope I'm one of the first to wish you shalom aloha today. Oh, I, I want to thank you for recommending the face wipes at Costco. Also, the movie The Jagged Edge, and of course, Olive Loaf. Your podcasts are appreciated when I do my Tuesday and Thursday hike. I would also like to recommend a guest. It might have to be a two-day podcast, as it was with Orson Bean. But I can't think of a better guest for you than Elliot Mintz. Now I need to go touch Indians. Elliot who? 
Elliot Mintz? Ness? Uh, no, no, Elliot Ness, uh, uh, last I checked, had passed on. Because I've, I've inquired about his book, and he's fucking veritably untouchable. <laughs> Elliot Ness, untouchable? Yeah, oh no, sorry. I was, I was reading up so on Elliot Mintz. Yeah, I did. Sorry. I forgot what How my job was. Andy Garcia. And, uh, oh, he's so good. By the way, Where he's standing there in that gray. He's got gray sweatpants with no pockets. Gray sweatshirt with no logos. Just come off the thing. I think uh, Sean Connery calls him a guinea or something. He lights up and then it's that sort of thing uh, where uh, Kevin says, you might have to kill bad guys. He's like, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Funny smell. So I sat next to Andy and his family on a plane once flying uh, from somewhere in Florida out to L.A. God, that is a man in fool. That was a happy man. I hope it's still. I mean, I don't want to risk that stuff, but I, he seemed so in love with his wife. He had beautiful kids, so in love. A happy guy, dressed cool, you know, that sort of uh, Latin feel, like where you're coming off that street in Miami with the the uh, hat that's made out of straw, you know, and nice shades and a cool shirt. And he was the sweetest guy. So we wish him well, and he's great in the Untouchables. And uh, I don't know who Elliot Mintz is. Did well, look uh, yeah, I'm looking him up. Uh, I guess he was is that a... that guy who owns the cut rate jeweler at Oxnard. There's always a guy saying, "Stop in Oxnard yeah. on your way home." I've got it's like the least jewelry guy that yeah. you've ever seen. You know, it's no. like the jewelry has to be the Graf family fortune or something over in Europe. But it's this guy in a bad fucking clip-on tie on Oxnard. If you meet a woman you want to spend your life with, be jeweler in Oxnard. <laughs> no, that guy won't come on the show. I've asked and uh, they okay. declined. Uh, so oh, Elliot Mintz. <laughs> <laughs> he was a spokesperson for both John Lennon and Yoko, and later, uh, I guess, he was a publicist, basically, but he uh, also represented Bob Dylan and later was a publicist for Paris Hilton. So I haven't heard Well, if you want to try to get him, yeah. Christian, my son said to me, why don't you play a more active part in your booking, Dad? And I said, oh, I know. You know I'm, I'm, I, they're all nice to me, whoever shows up. I, I have some sort of uh, zen about booking in uh, in that I think anybody can be interesting if you just let them be. And, you know, just, uh, so I, you know, I, I don't often ask for people. Once in a while, reach no, you, you, you suggest Christian. people, though, and that's great. Yeah. But uh, my son said to me, um, oh, you're being weird. It's your show, book some people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, kids can be that honest. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, what am I, anytime I bring the word Zen into my inner dialogue, I'm being full <laughs> of shit. I'm probably just lazy. <laughs> So, Christian, um, should I? I don't know. You want to talk? Let's well, talk about it here. We've got an empty show. Who should we book? Well, Bill Hader, we've talked about. Well, I'm working well, on I'd that. I'd love to book Bill. Yeah. Why would he be on here? Because he likes he's, you and he's, he's talked to you before. Be. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, I know. But uh, they, uh, when people get hot, they yeah, I know yeah. he likes me. But well, it seems his, like you've got to allocate your time to advance your cause. And I don't know that he's doing that. No, here. his problem was that, like, in addition to, you know, trying to get people to consider Barry for the Emmy, he was in uh, It Part 2. So he had to do a lot of press for that. But uh, it's mm -hmm. uh, it's not that he doesn't want to do it. We're just looking for well, the time. Well, I'd love to have him on. Yeah. I'm trying to think who I've never really talked to from uh, SNL. Let's at least start there. Oh, from SNL. And who I'd like to say I'd like to talk to. Um, somebody well, gettable. I feel like you've talked to everybody from the original crowd. You know, that's a good place to start. Like, I don't know. I, like, have you ever talked to Lorraine Newman, I guess, is the one that maybe you haven't. I know you've talked to uh, most of the others. 
Well, Garrett Morris right for sure. Here. She was sweet if she ever wants to come on. But okay. I, you know what? I here's one thing I know I'm not bullshitting myself about. I cannot ask people myself. No, no, no. You I should, and you feel definitely like you're not getting an accurate bounce no, off. That. You definitely shouldn't ask people yourself. You know, like I would love to talk to, and we've had Tom Hanks on somewhere, mm-hmm. but I can't yeah. ask him. I'd feel no, like a goof, I, like I wouldn't a, want you to ask him. And you know, he he has a movie later this year, so we will of oh, course ask the, him the Mr. Mr. Rogers, Rogers movie. Yeah. God, he's gonna kill that man. I know, and. uh Tom knows how to get down to the... I, I just saw something that I would imagine would shatter him. That some beautiful little girl played opposite him in a film that I know he liked uh, by the Warshawski brothers slash sisters. Uh, uh, what, what was it called? Uh, was that the... It's one the, of his favorite that, uh, experiences. He was that the Terminal or was that a different one? No, no, that was with Catherine Zeta-Jones. This is where he plays an old guy on another planet, and he's not always old, but he speaks some crazy pigeon language with uh, Halle Berry. It's uh, Event Apocalypse or Event Horizon. or Anyway, it was done by the Warshawskis. You can look it up. We both obviously yeah, forgot the name. I'm pretty sure it's, it is Event Horizon, I think, yeah. No, there is something called Event Horizon, but this is something else. Anyway, take your time. Look it up. Tom Hanks movies, and it was done by the brothers who did The Matrix. And it's, uh, I know Tom loved doing it. And uh, the young girl who works opposite in there just uh, killed herself, I read in the paper. Uh, uh, You know how kids are so driven to do well? And it was just some sort of study thing and being grounded and a bad test result. And it literally is the definition of what Spade said about his sister-in-law, that five minutes later she wouldn't have done this, Kate Spade. Right, You get the feeling about these. You got to – you cannot take – as a doctor, you can't take the the first uh, – I got to get a second opinion. Please, kids, if anybody out there listens to this kid was, and I know it uh, might not be my demo, but if you're young and you get disappointed, guess what? That's the truth line in life. There's beauty on the other side of that. But don't take a first opinion on whether or not it's the moment to croak yourself. I mean, geez. Uh, don't take the second. Don't take the third. But certainly don't take the first. And over homework thing. Oh, no. my God. You wish you could say to a person as they're older when they didn't do it, uh, when you look back on how crazy everything you think means absolutely everything does not upon second appraisal through the prism of wisdom later in life. Because life is a motherfucker. I used to do that joke. It is a big, desperate bear loose in the campground. And I try to avert its gaze because if you lock eyes with it, it thinks you want to play, it starts cuffing you around, it doesn't know his own strength. So that's sort of like life. There are moments where you're just disheartened. And trying to get yourself out of disheartenment, either in a a temporary manner, is a mistake. And uh, I don't know. In a permanent manner is just a tragedy. So hang in. Uh, I hate to do uh, stand tall. Don't you fall. Don't go doing something foolish. All you feel right now, all that song, that maudlin song that should be in a, you know, the Pirates of Penzance or something. Right. Uh, it, it's all applicable. It's true. And that broke my heart. What was that film called by the Cloud Christian? Atlas. Cloud Atlas. And I know Tom enjoyed that immensely. I remember going to see that way up in the 90s on the east side of Manhattan on a rainy day. And standing behind Anthony Bourdain at the Gray's Papaya Hot Dog Place up there and uh, thinking, 
uh, I, you know, I was, he saw me and I looked, uh, straight ahead and I, I'm not being egotistic. He knew who I was, but I remember thinking he's a curmudgeon on the air and I like to honor curmudgeons by not bothering them. Sure. So is that weird that I wouldn't even say hi? I wasn't doing it out of a fit of piquancy. I thought, well, geez, everything I've got from this guy is sort of like, uh, curmudgeonly unless you're, uh, you know, sort of a Vietnamese chick making <laughs> some noodle dish in a ranch house outside Phnom Penh or something. You know, sure. <laughs> then he gets all maudlin. Yeah, but by course. and large, you know, he likes to light up uh, gringos. So I just didn't <laughs> say hi. And uh, and then again, I wouldn't reveal my order. I don't need him taking that home. And he's got <laughs> yeah. possession over me. He knows how to leverage me. Who gets I waited till he stepped back from the counter. Before I just said, hook an IV, you got the pie up to my right arm, and then wham it, jam it, two dogs down my throat, songs bung. Who gets sauerkraut? Which is my regular there. Yeah, it's my regular one. Who gets sauerkraut uh, on the side? <laughs> <laughs> sauerkraut. Jesus, why don't you just say, give me some of that uh, <laughs> strands of fart. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. <laughs> huh? Why are we putting this name on it that makes it seem like you're at Oktoberfest? Just, what do you want? Oh, give me some fart strands. Uh, <laughs> step back. Because <laughs> uh, I have, uh, I've had a crowd dog at the counter and blue flame myself out of there like an astro, <laughs> you know, in that dog thing. <laughs> Whether you're an athlete, weekend warrior, or someone who deals with constant joint pain, back pain, muscle soreness, or arthritis, finding a natural remedy that instantly works might seem non-existent. Most over-the-top pain relievers, such as Icy Hot and Bengay, only focus on one basic cooling effect, such as menthol, which temporarily takes your mind off the pain until that pain returns an hour or so later. Temporarily. If you're looking to get rid of nagging muscle and joint pain immediately while providing long-lasting recovery, then you need to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD, developed by Omax Health. This non-prescription, triple-action pain relief roll-on, specifically formulated to block pain receptors, reduce inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. Currently hiking in Bhutan and the Himalayas. Came up a little stiff on the right side of my neck. Use some bingo. The best part is this is a 100% natural CBD-powered remedy that works. It's magic within 10 minutes of application and relief lasts up to eight hours much longer than over-the-counter products super easy to throw in your gym bag take on the go for emergency pain relief simply roll it over where it hurts and ice out the pain with an arctic blast Omax Health is offering my listeners 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze pain relief roll-on plus free shipping. This discount also applies towards any product site-wide. Just go to omaxhealth.com today and enter code MILLER to take advantage of this incredible savings. That's omaxhealth.com and enter code MILLER to get 20% off CryoFreeze and anything else site-wide. Christ to Gruden and Mayock look like idiots. <laughs> is is the Ant Antonio Brown thing not a complete allegory? Or Christian, when is this happening? It's Am okay. I we, to look, pretend they, that this didn't happen. No, the Antonio Brown. Listen, thing. either yesterday or a few weeks ago, this Antonio Brown thing played out. Or I, tomorrow. I covered it. <laughs> or tomorrow. Depending on where he goes next. <laughs> It's such an allegory for modern life. The worst guy. 
performing the worst things. He gets traded to the best team and will probably win a Super Bowl. <laughs> All this stuff about it eventually catches up to you. It doesn't. This is why Buddhism was invented. Because too many people got out, too many Jagoffs got out the door with all the uh, the shekels and the esteem. And somebody had to invent something where they'll get fucked on the back end where they come back as a Vizsla. It's, it's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that's true is Jeff Goldblum and the copter going down the falls, putting the aperitif glass on the table and watching it shake. <laughs> Chaos theory. That's it. <laughs> that's all that exists. Chaos theory and then a raptor bites your fucking cheek off. <laughs> this whole thing about it. It'll catch up. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Brown's going to get a ring. They've given him a second-year option. And, uh, you know, this whole thing about telling your kids about karma and that. Yeah, well, no wonder kids all, you know, act are recording their, their boorishness on a daily basis. You want to chronicle it. Someday you're going to be in the Hall of Fame from it. And uh, the idiots, uh, they used to get the, the squeaky wheel got the oil. Now it gets center stage and a clig light. <laughs> So, uh, you know, don't kid yourself about it catching up to you. And if you do, you know, Buddhists, uh, somebody gets out the door of the second one, they'll come up with something else, you know, where they'll say, you'd keep coming back because they're, you know, uh, Mugabe's already probably been reborn as the guy who invented Post-its. You know, that's how fucked up it is. <laughs> and he'll be on The Masked Singer next season. Yeah, exactly. Bobby McGobby. <laughs> uh, so Nobody will believe the name. That's a stage name, isn't it? Bobby McGobby. <laughs> they call me Bobby McGobby. <laughs> so anyway, voicemail number three, uh, I'm a little uh, sheepish on because it's from Anonymous. They didn't identify themselves, but uh, let's hear it anyway. Mr. Miller, what an honor to speak to your voicemail. Hey, I have been a big fan for a long time. I love the new podcast. I've never reached out to you before because, frankly, you're so much more funny and intelligent than I am. I've never had anything to really offer you. But you I just heard your conversation <laughs> where you kind of shit all over yoga. And I wanted to let <laughs> you know that oh, as a guy you. of your generation, I just started taking up yoga. And uh, I've been doing it for about four months, and I really love it. And I think you might as well. Uh, it's great for flexibility and strengthening, and uh, I'm surprised how much I like it. Anyway, that's all I wanted to tell you, man, except thanks for all the years of entertainment. And uh, my yoga instructor says a couple of words at the end of a class and hits a gong and tells me it's time to go. I don't know what she's saying. I don't understand it, but peace be with you, man. Hmm. I, I, I had heard Chuck Barris was doing <laughs> <laughs> yoga class. <Yeah. laughs> Listen, I, I didn't shit on yoga. I no. shit while doing yoga. Right. That's <laughs> why you were told class. not to come back. <laughs> and she said, do a sun sign, and bam. <laughs> uh, voicemail number four, Reg from Atlanta. Uh-oh. Reg. I was you don't hear you. that outside the Cray Brothers. Mm, that's true. I was sad to hear you so glum on the podcast, so I'm calling to briefly cheer you up. Remember, it could be worse. You could be me. Stuck here with a bad fake accent, scooping ice cream at the deli. <laughs> but you're you. You're erudite and debonair. You've got the lovely and talented Lindsay. And you've what? got the... We've got Christian. <laughs> no life can be discouraging, but be well, my friend. And try it's to always look no, on it's... the bright side of life. 
It's neither of them because that guy did call before and I asked yeah. both of them and it's not Rob, it's not it's not Gene. Mm. So I actually don't know who Reg from Atlanta is. I like that character, Reg. Yeah, yeah, so. And because well, uh, he likes you. Of course. I get so many uh texts too or, or when I put an Instagram thing up about people saying uh, you've been glum on the podcast. <laughs> I must be missing this. Uh if I'm doing it, folks, I do it in about the appropriate manner that you dedicate to glum. Uh, in my day-to-day life, I'm, yeah, I have glum moments, but who doesn't? But not many. But on no. the radio, I, I find that sort of hangdog thing, like uh, Jack Benny's cheapness or something. I don't know. It's a bit of a stagecraft, but not you know, not much. It's it's funny to me that everybody in the world, plus people who don't exist in the world, do podcasts. <laughs> and so, therefore, when I'm sitting here grinding the podcast on, acting like the game is afoot, yeah. it just makes me laugh. And when you start laughing... I, I'm not down on it either. No. They, they're very nice to me. They're sweet, but I just can't act like I just got <laughs> scarlet, you know, after it came down to me and Paul had Goddard. <laughs> my, my favorite is when you just start laughing and you're like, I was on Saturday Night Live. I hosted the MTV Awards. Twice. Well, I just have a sense of humor yeah, about of it. You know, I've had a yeah. fine career. Jeez, sure. I look back my career. I'm super proud of it. I never thought I'd get that, but I also don't take it showbiz all that seriously. <laughs> I even when I was front running, I knew you get whacked eventually because I don't have a you know I don't have a singing uh, monkey trick or an acting monkey trick, and you know uh, then I, I knew I had to push some chips in doing the O'Reilly factor and that involved having opinions and it's not a good time to have opinions politically in this culture. So I knew I'd catch hell on the back end, but trust me, I got flush up front. I mean, don't cry for me, Argentina, because, you know, I had a good time with O'Reilly and we uh, printed some quan there for a while. So I'm good. But uh, I also can't take it all that seriously that I can be hangdog about it. It's just showbiz. I mean, really think about it. What a freak show. Look at the, these people who take it seriously, like Deborah Messing and the Derek uh, McCormick. McCormick, they think they really think they matter. Yeah, I'm telling you, folks, I've got a lot of follies. I've got a lot of. I could be a cranky cat. I can, you know, I feel bad about it. That's all I can tell you is when I get cranky with somebody, I afterwards try to feel badly about it at least, uh, and uh, I get contrite. But I could also celebrate people's experiences in that. But I don't take myself seriously, man. Showbiz is a a lucky, lucky, lucky sword from the stone freak show. And if you think you matter because you're in show business, well, you cannot miss the point anymore on this planet, when you think about all the people who never get a kudo in their life for doing actually consequential things, and people are on something called will and grace, feeling that they are now so beloved and so imbued with sacred knowledge that they want to start outing people who don't parrot the voice in their head and isolating them and taking work opportunities away from them, and they don't see how boorish that is. So... You know, uh, their heads are so far up their ass, they're going to have to cut in switchback trails to get to them. Give me four, Christian. Reg was four, oh, so we're up oh, to five now. I forgot all about three, and I shouldn't. It was the key question. It was the guy who go shit ahead. during yoga. Uh, hey, f- go ahead, motherfucker! Number five, Larry! <laughs> I love your interviews with Orson Bean, and oddly enough, after the second one, I was watching that night the anatomy of a murder. Mm, and who shows up as a psychiatrist in the movie, but Orson Bean. He looked like a psychiatrist. <laughs> now, I want to tell you about a really good sport book I think you'll like. 
maybe you've already read it, but written by Bob Gibson. And it's called 60 Feet, 6 Inches. And it really shows the difference between a pitcher and a thrower. Love your show. Keep up the great work. Well, Gibson's my favorite pitcher ever, so I will give that a tuple. And uh, I didn't realize they'd written a book. Me neither, which surprises me. I wonder if that's still in print, because I read a lot of baseball books. I was up at 4.30 in the morning, woke up, and could not get back to uh, sleep after trundling down the hall for my O2 predictable whiz at 4 o'clock. <laughs> uh, back in bed, laying there, thinking, oh, you'll get to sleep. And then once you hear yourself saying that for the 50th time at 4.30, and just go, fucking... Start, I'm reading a book about the uh, Big Red Machine, and uh, and uh, Scott um, Sparky Anderson won't put George Foster in. He's literally got a cat at third named Vukovic, who uh, yeah. Johnny Vukovic, who averages like 115 batting average over a four-year period. He's got George Foster sitting on the bench, and he won't put him in because, not at third, but rotate everything and yeah. get somebody else at third because Foster reads the Bible a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Sparky Sparky has deemed him soft. <laughs> I think when they eventually put George in, I think he strokes 52 for the red machine at some point. But uh, it's just so funny how life is what happens while you're making other plans. The whole front end of the book is them trying to trade Tony Perez. I haven't checked these figures, but I think Tony plates 1,400 people at some point. You realize how hard it is to get fourteen. Think about that. Uh, even a hundred RBIs in a season is a lot. So let's not say he averaged that. But you've got to go sixteen seasons at ninety to get fourteen hundred ribbies. And they're thinking of trading him. Although the only thing is they're thinking of trading him for two people. One that would have been a disaster, but two of them, at least you can see, they they, they had an opportunity at the hot corner because of the aforementioned Vukovic hitting nothing. And they were going after two guys, Craig Nettles, who would have been, you know, Nettles was a gamer. And uh, then the complete score, in an odd way, was George Brett. And the Royals back out at the last moment. Or maybe they're the athletics at that point. And when he first comes up, I can't remember. But uh, the third trade would have been abysmal. I, I can't even remember who it was for. But even even that being said, it's hard to imagine the Cincinnati Reds without uh, the great Tony Perez at first base. They get Joe Morgan in. He hits 263 for the Strohs, and they bring him in for a song. And uh, he turns into the best player in the world. You got the Glove Concepcion third. I don't know who ends up a third in this thing. Maybe Petey Rose gets slid there. Is that impossible? But then you've got Rose and, uh, oh, well, I think they trade Lee May away, possibly, for, uh, who was a good player, uh, but for Joe Morgan, who's the great. Cesar Geronimo and, uh, you know, Gary Nolan, Gullet, Will McAnamy, uh, Ross Grimsley. It's just uh, an amazing squad. Or maybe I've got one of those pictures wrong, but um, it's a good book. And I love that Sparky will not put Key Cog George in at this point because he's soft because he reads the Bible, which makes me laugh uproariously. And Sparky's a believer, actually. He reads the Bible. He just doesn't want it in his players. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, endearing memory of George Foster is uh, many years later when uh, the, the Mets demoted him uh, for Kevin Mitchell, who was uh, hitting and George wasn't anymore. And uh, George said it was racially motivated. But, of course, Kevin Mitchell was also black. <laughs> yeah. 
And Kevin Mitchell, one of the great natural talents, right? I mean, I yeah. He ever maxed it up. But no, I think he's up not. there with Dick Allen, Richie Allen, as a, a great talent who kind of, you know, didn't live to play it, I don't think. Although Mitchell came out of tough corners. He was probably fighting to get up and out. Uh, maybe Daly City, some hard-ass place. And uh, he, he was a brilliantly, he was like Bo Jackson-esque in his talent, I think. But never quite maxed it out completely. But I think I've heard other Mets, people I respect, say that Mitchell was one of the greatest natural talents they ever they ever saw. Um, and you were right, by the way. Uh, Pete Rose did play third base for the Big Red Machine, just uh, to clarify that. Yes. Yeah, eventually. Because you, you can say, I, I think Vukovic was down there. He had a bit of a glove, but I don't think he, uh, you know, certain guys who don't want third. Even Brooksy at one point said that, you know, Brooks is the greatest third baseman ever, glove man. Uh, but he said, and Pie Trainer, I think, greatest third baseman of the combo. But Brooks said Frank Howard clocked one over his head one time, and he couldn't even move his glove. So, <laughs> you know, that'll show you how dangerous it is down there. And not everybody's cut out for a third, but Rose lived, breathed baseball. You could said, listen, you're going to play third, but we don't want you to wear a glove. We want you to just knock it down with your face and throw it over. He said, I'm in. Let's go. Uh, let's go to voice- all in <laughs> voicemail number six, Paul from San Francisco. I'll be listening to your latest broadcast. I like what I'm hearing I about this, this Dave voice, Chappelle right? person. Uh, sorry, uh, I think we, I think he's called before, right, Lindsay? Yeah. He, oh, he calls. No, no, but yeah. didn't he call on the radio, Christian? Uh, yeah, I think he actually he did call back then. Yeah, on that, the radio show. Wait, by the way, my nephew just got a job up in uh, San Francisco. I told you, running the shit Zamboni near Union Square. <laughs> There's a lot of human shit on the street, and they they were trying to pooper scooper it for all, but it became such a comprehensive problem. They just bought a big old shit Zamboni from uh, <laughs> minor league hockey team. He drives it around and skims off the shit coat. Uh, oddly and enough, the Zamboni came from the periods. The Zamboni came from the Fresno fecals. Yeah, imagine. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no! Don't laugh. Uh, that. I, and I remember their mascot was, "Hey, is there corn in that?" <laughs> <laughs> Remember, there's always corn. Turd with... <laughs> there's a turd, yeah. I was say that. <laughs> Lindsay, okay. Ah, oh, she loves poop I'm humor. Sorry, I don't even know where that came from. You can take that out. No, take the corn. Out. No, the corn needs to be no, in there. Please. The corn has to. It's so good. Oh my. <laughs> Uh, hey, I've got a niblet <laughs> in my cigar. I've got a kernel in my zagnut. And you know. Oh, add some color. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm just remembering on the radio show. We had a general manager from a station who <laughs> sent these emails. Well, another trip to the bathroom for the Dennis Miller show. And like he would complain about... Comedy that was nowhere near what you just did. <laughs> so that's what I'm like. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's not no. that fecally. No. It, believe me, it was. It wasn't fecal. <laughs> Once in a while, it was like whiz. Yeah. Maybe you're you were a little too whiz happy back oh. in those days. I don't know. Listen, uh, shouldn't you? I don't know. Periodically, just uh, it's like a rotor rooter, right? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta just bung it out and move on. <laughs> Well, let's let's get back to Paul from San Francisco. Voicemail number six. Uh, I'll be listening to your latest broadcast. I like what I'm hearing about this Dave Chappelle person, who I'm not familiar with. 
Um, and see. I'm looking at your Twitter feed. It's going too fast for me. <laughs> I love you, pal. <laughs> well, yeah, Twitter does go by. You know, it, it, he's not wrong. By the way, on Twitter anymore. <laughs> no, there's so many people. Yeah, dead. No, we just uh, we just posted. The... Go, How do I jump up on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> When people <laughs> yeah, following it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, not that selfless. But I'm still doing the Facebook one. So I find Instagram to be a nice thing. Something, some levity yeah. agent about having to put an attended picture up that weeds out the, just the, well, I call them the people who want you dead yeah. crowd. It's <laughs> a good name for that crowd. Because <laughs> they're caring. They're, they're loving. And you're not. <laughs> um, so uh, Chappelle. Yeah, that you know what I heard in that thing. What's that? That that guy has been following Chappelle for years. I, he sounds older. Whenever though, so. anybody goes that far out of the way yeah. about some, you know, where they go, hey, the the this what's it called, the <laughs> Alto Show, and then your voice, <laughs> Soprano, the Sopranos. I think uh, I've used this example before. The, just the, <laughs> My favorite one of those was when uh, Beverly Hills 90210 was the big show on TV. People would be like, you know, Beverly Hills 9021 whatever. <laughs> you know, like they didn't right. know the name of the show. That was the way to be like, yeah, right. I'm too cool for, <laughs> for this Yeah, garbage. Letterman used to do that <laughs> Oh, he did. That's right. Uh, have you watched The, the Mash? <laughs> yeah, I've watched The Mash. Paul, do you I'm like The McDonald's? Kid. Have you been to The McDonald's, right. Paul? Okay, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave. Regular guy. <laughs> Voice regular guy owning an indie team. <laughs> who 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 <laughs> wished... just a working class hero. Vroom! <laughs> Dave, we're gonna need a second lug nut wrench. It's forty six thousand. Get it. <laughs> I'm a regular guy. Uh, voicemail number seven, Dan from New Jersey. Dennis, Christian, and Lindsay, the gay caballeros. Uh-oh. The pod is excellent. <laughs> I'm calling just to give you a book recommendation, what? Dennis. You're an avid reader. You always allude to terrific books, and sometimes I pick them up. But one thing you got to read, if you haven't, is you have to read The Dog of the South by Charles Portis. He's the same guy that wrote True Grit, got famous for True Grit, made all his money that way. But you have got to read Dog of the South. It's your sensibility. It's exactly uh, you know your scene. And you got to, as you would say, you got to give it a tumble. The Dog of the South, brother. Keep up the great work. All right. Mm. I wish you gave me a little more data. You get, I love True Grit, but uh, Dog of the South. What would you guess it's about, Christian? Well, uh, I just looked it up, mm-hmm. but I haven't read it yet. So I, I'm going to assume that there is a uh, schnauzer Wait, let me in, guess. Let in me Tampa. Guess. Oh, I oh. want to guess, too. Okay. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> a Jack Russell in Boca. He's a Jack Russell in Boca. <laughs> I got a sideways glance out of my kid yesterday. I was watching tennis either yesterday, tomorrow, next year, or weeks ago. 2021. And yeah. I was watching Rafa Nadal play Medvedev. And uh, I said to Nadal, who's just, he's a vampire. You can't, he just keeps, it's like, it literally is playing against Nadal is playing against the wall. I know that's an old thing, but when you think about the purity of that, you hit to a wall and it comes back and he, it always comes back. And I was sitting with my son, who's a lovely kid, but maybe a little woke. And I said, God, he is a Jacinto Russell Terrier. Cause he, uh, <laughs> he gave me a look like. Got a little bad, but a little bad. <laughs> Jacinto Russell Terry. I love that. A clean reference. I think so. Yeah. And Serena lost, and I'm not a Serena fan. 
No. I'll just leave it at that. I, I remember threatening that ball woman, or what are they called? I guess that's not <laughs> no, I don't know what you call it. Yeah, yeah. I'll jam a ball, don't you? It's just, it's too much. And then, you know, after these crazy, like, uh, moments where you get a glimpse, and then afterwards it's always sort of like a little girl voice in that. I just, oh, come on. Uh, well, what does it say about the, the vibe Serena puts out? The two years in a row, young women have beat her in the finals and both have apologized. One in tears, and the other one saying, I'm sorry. Yeah. And you're just saying, what, what sort of vibe is out on the street? The two women who have just achieved 119 and 121 have both, in immediate wake of it, apologized for winning. Unbelievable. Uh, voicemail number eight, Mikey from Arizona. I wanted to call in to thank you for the recommendation on um, that documentary, uh, Beside Bowie, with uh, the Mick Ronson story. Uh, it was really good. Um, and I'm, I'm glad I had the chance to see it and I learned a lot. I've been a big fan for a while and I credit you guys for turning me on to it. Uh, y'all do a great job and, uh, Lindsay too. And Hey, you guys, uh, keep it up and I'll keep listening. Thanks. Thank you. That's sweet. Uh, I'm, I watched the uh, Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali documentary. I've watched part one of it and I would recommend that one too. Ali, a absolute delight, but I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of his because, uh, in episode two, it'll begin to unfold. I Mark Cram's brilliant. The best sports book I ever read, Ghost of Manila. Uh, Ali turns on Joe Frazier, who I consider an honest, proletariat, working man hero and a good man, and began using racial slurs against him. And I can't forgive Ali for that. But certainly, uh, as they enjoy the front half of Spartacus until the pirates aren't on the beach to take them away, I can enjoy the front half of this and Ali indeed a delight until he got nasty in that regard. And uh, the second half, I'm having trouble bringing myself to because I know that happens and that bothers me. But what are you going to do? I'll give it a watch, but it's very well done if you're looking for a documentary. And as always, my favorite documentary that you've got to watch, Afternoon of a Fawn, about the Tequila Leclerc or something, some Tally Leclerc, uh, beautiful, young. Who does she remind me of? Susie, uh, who's the top flight fashion model, ends up Susie Parker, who marries Brad Dillman, 60s, beautiful, statuesque, true American girl. Think Christy Brinkley if she did, as a brunette, if she did ballet, you know, like that all-American thing. Uh, a little taller than most, and just, well, I can't tell any more about Fawn in the afternoon than that, but it is one of the most stirring, uh, heartbreaking, thrilling documentaries I've ever seen. So watch that one. And it's F-A, how do you spell Fawn? F-A-U-N. Fawn, oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, F-A-U-N. Her, in her name afternoon. is Tanaquil Leclerc. Yeah, Tanny Leclerc, that's right. Lovers with both Balanchine and Jerome Robbins. So that'll show you that, uh, you know, there is a... Uh, uh, a, a beeline grapevine out there for beautiful talent that's in your business because all the uh, all the Yodas swooped in with erections. Uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, voicemail number nine, Clay from Pennsylvania. I saw you on the uh, Ben Shapiro show, and I was really happy to hear you had a podcast. And I've listened to all of them now. I wish we were on more than twice a week. I do have some bad news. Danny's Hoagies is uh, bankrupt, so oh, you can't get a Danny no. Hoagie anymore. I went there a couple of weeks ago, and, and the doors were closed. Oh, so, hey, keep up the good work, and I'm enjoying your no. show. 
That's mm. my favorite sandwich ever, and uh, I've got four of them up in my fridge, freezer, frozen. <laughs> now I'm going to have to parcel them out, man. <laughs> so for the next huh? 20 years, you're going to have yeah, one. because I'm, like, uh, I'm like the Arquette kid on the lunar surface now in the <laughs> Bowie's Kids movie, where I got I to gotta eat these over the eons. Sorry to hear that. Best sandwich ever. Don't know what happened to the Rossics, who owned that for ages, but that is the best hoagie ever made and i am shattered uh what about what about spielberg directs a remake of west side story with genos versus pats <laughs> and they're all brandishing well hoagie buns <laughs> <out> the... <laughs> that's the only way you'd get me to see it <laughs> when you're a pats you're pats all the way from your first cigarette to your wit dying day <laughs> All right, so we have time for one more voicemail, let's say. Uh, Lindsay, voicemail number 15. Scott from Colorado. Hi, Dennis. I would be remiss if I never reached out to you just to say thanks. Thanks for many years of laughter. Your pod is the highlight of my week. Uh, I had the pleasure of seeing you perform live in about 1991 on the college campus of East Tennessee State University. And I've been a huge fan ever since. Keep up the great work, and I love it uh, when you bring on the old SNL castmates. And Orson Bean, he's a delight to listen to. I'm a retired cop out of Tennessee, living in Colorado now. So if you're ever in the Denver area, I'd love to meet up with you and buy you a drink. It's the least I could do for you. Uh, maybe use on my bucket list, buddy. Christian, you're a great wingman. Lindsay, keep up the laughing. The world can use more of it for sure. Dennis, God bless you, brother. Take care. Well, listen, um, let me say this. There are times I play fast and loose here, and I play like I'm a bit of a ball buster because I'm not. I'm uh, pretty touched by uh, people like that. The collective, the overview, mankind, I tisk tisk a lot at. But when you hear somebody like that, and really, it blows my mind that in show business, a pretty basic barter system of funny ideas, hopefully for approbation, that you can get somebody who has that tenor in his voice, who you have made some some minimal contribution to the happiness of their day periodically. It absolutely blows my mind. I'm very touched. And it was sweet of you to call. Wait, did he say something other than I'm a great wingman? That's all I really no, no, heard. That's yeah. the, Christian has this genetically bred uh, deaf, deaf <laughs> thing that only the, the tiny fibrils in his ear only percolate when it's like Alexa. Christian's like Alexa. He, only, he has to hear Christian before he starts paying attention. He gets four words. You know, it's like that photo you can take where the photo starts a couple seconds before you take the photo. <laughs> right. <that move. laughs> Well, Christian has that in his ears. He's had a basic experiment done, and uh, it, it was uh, voluntary. But there was no promise of success, but no payment either. But he picks up around three seconds before he hears Christian, and around 10 seconds later, he only hears the compliments in between. But there was something on the front end about me being funny, Christian. Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't hear that, because All right, well, then it was work. <laughs> success, doctor. <laughs> success. It's alive. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Dennis Miller Option, exclusively on Westwood One. Tune in to new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on the Westwood One app, westwoodone.com, and on Apple Podcasts. And remember to rate, review, and share. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here. 